Well, good morning. And again, thank you uh, for this opportunity for Lori and I to come out and spend some time with you this morning. Um, I think I've introduced ourselves to most of you. One or two of you uh, weren't here during the adult Bible study. Um, my wife, Lori, is the church administrator over at Harvest Time South, and um, I'm working in the men's ministry over there. And um, we were a pretty a critical role in um, planting the church over in, in Oliva and Mondovi area. Um, so this is ex exciting for us because we get a chance to um, uh, give a message here today and, and uh, share God's word. Um, we've been uh, praying about maybe moving into from our uh, my job over at Chippewa Valley Technical College and maybe looking at other opportunities to serve in ministry. Uh, we've been talking to Nielsville Church and other churches. So um, seeing if there's a next phase in our life at some point. And so just very grateful to be here this morning. Um, let us pray be before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your promises and enduring commitment to us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit rest upon us and may we boldly go about your business each day. Help us to have faith and trust in your goodness and your mercy as we journey through this life, Lord. Be with us today and fill us with your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I have been told, based, maybe it's based on how I do today, but I've been told that I might be invited back on December 5th and uh, that there might be a need um, on an ongoing basis um, for one Sunday a month for a while as, as uh, Pastor John uh, fulfills some other obligations uh, that with his uh, new position. Um, so today I wanted to concentrate on the concept of do not be afraid. And as I look around the world right now and I talk to friends and other people in the church, there seems to be, everyone's trying to put on a brave face, but there just seems to be an underlying spirit of fear all around. And I just want to address that. So I, I'm going to start today. Um, I actually had a verse, a sermon pretty much prepared on surrendering all. But I'm like, well, maybe I need to work, work my way up to that. So kind of a, a, you know, a, a staging area today as, as we uh, take a look at uh, what uh, Jesus shared with us and also look at King Jehoshaphat um, in the Old Testament as well. So my greeting to you this morning is uh, similar to what you probably heard many times before. It's grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Paul, that was, his, that was one more of Paul's popular greetings. You'll find it in um, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Philippon, and 2 John. And so I started thinking about grace and peace. And um, when I started thinking about those, they probably could be their own sermons type thing. Uh, but when I think of grace, I start singing the song, Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. And I'm like, okay, well, we can go with that. You know, I have a whole sermon on that. But then I start thinking about peace, and then I think of the verse that peace that passes all understanding, you know, guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And both are profound thoughts. Um, but, you know, then I'm like, okay, peace. Can we have peace in this life? You know, and, and uh, how do we have peace in this life? And 
you know, then I start looking at today and you, once in a blue moon, I might turn on the TV and then turn it off really quick. But, uh, you know, you start hearing, it's just all this bad news and all this fear and you know, you know, either something's going wrong or something could go wrong. And it's, um, you know, pieces in kind of stark, stark contrast to the, the fear that this world is seem, seeming to generate. And um, if you think about fear, it's nothing new to our culture today. In the, um, you know, in the early church, um, you know, there, there, was, there was concerns over the early disciples, you know, fear of persecution, both from the pagan world and also the Jewish world. You know, the Jews persecuted uh, Paul and others just as much as the, the pagan world did. Um, and then if you think of the Middle Ages, the church in the Middle Ages, well, they had fears too. Not only were they dealing with the black plagues and all the different plagues in Europe and all the church rules, you know, there was, it was just a lot of church rules and uh, what you had to do in order to earn your way to heaven or whatever the case may be, or marauding you know, Islamic armies or whatever they were dealing with at that time. And then you start looking at the fears of today. Um, but before I get into that, I just want a little side note. You know, we're very missionary focused here in the Assembly of God. And, um, you know, if you look at how much God has blessed our denomination with sending missionaries all over the world. And last I looked, I thought there was 80 million in, um, uh, members in the Assembly of God Church. It was uh, it's been growing pretty fast, but most of them are overseas because you all did such a great job <laughs> in your lifetime supporting all those missionaries that you were talking about. Um, and you know, so you look at you know you look at that, but so at the same time, you know, God is um, building His church, and the church's uh, Christianity is spread to the four corners of the world. But an, an, an interesting fact, though, is if you look at the 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 countries that historically really sped Christianity, UK, France, Spain, and Germany, they're down to like under 10% of church attendance each week. Um, UK is down to eight, France is 12, Spain is 15, and Germany is 10. Um, you know, so Christ in Christianity, their influence in those countries are really waning. And we've seen a, a decrease here in the United States as well. Uh, there's some strong pockets in, you know, in amongst the states here, but uh, and there, there's, there's us, us, you know, we won't give up, you know, in, in all the small communities here in Wisconsin and elsewhere. But one, one of the things that's interesting is that the dynamic of, of Christianity has changed its focus from the northern hemisphere to the summer, southern hemisphere. If you look at churches in Brazil, 45% of, of, of Brazilians go to church each week. Uh, Indonesia, 72%, and in parts of Central Africa, in, it's up in the mid-80s. And it also, too, uh, a fact is that the more persecuted those countries have with the Islamic forces or other forces there, it seems like the higher percentage of the people go to church. Um, you know, there's, it, even in China, the church in China is growing uh, leaps and bounds, even though they're being locked down all the time and they're being persecuted. Um, so that was just kind of a, a side note, and we, we cannot give up on uh, missionary work here. So, you know, as, as in the, the Western or the more high-tech countries, as, as Christianity's influences wane, you know, we've seen over the past five decades a really, um, a really moving away from Christ and his teachings. It started in the 1960s when they took prayer out of schools, in the 1971 Roe versus Wayne abortion, um, it, then we've seen TV just kind of almost train us on all the things that they want us to believe. 
um, you know, over the decades. Um, and it's kind of, there's been a, a hostility there. And the world, uh, the world is trying to teach us there, there is no absolutes, right? Relative truth, my truth is truth to me, your truth is truth to you. Um, no, we're not going to push any truths. And all roads lead to heaven. Uh, in contrast, though, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But that's in stark contrast to what the world is trying to teach us. And, you know, the world can see that as intolerant. How dare anyone claim to be all the truth, right? So as Christians, we're trying to give the truth of Christ and who he is. But, um, but you know, it, it's, it, we're kind of fighting that, the, the world and the culture. Um, so back to the question, can we find grace and peace uh, in a post-Christian world that feeds us fear every night uh, on the news, on our iPhones, on our you know Apple News and uh, radio and every any anywhere else. Um, and before we we tackle what uh, what God says about fear and what Christ's teachings about fear, uh, let's just take a brief look, not to give it any power or any politic or anything like that. But you know what are we dealing with? Let's be honest. You know. Uh, not only our personal fears, but also the fears that we're dealing as a society. And the first one that comes to mind is health. And I didn't even want to say the word, you know, but plagues, right? You know, whatever plague comes to mind, um, you know, the, the, the message was, you know, are we going to die? Are our loved ones going to die? You know, what do we need to have on hand to fight off this thing? Uh, we're being fed numbers constantly on every website or potential numbers, uh, even that's even worse. Um, economics, we talked about inflation and food costs, you know, that's, that's prevalent. Um, are you an essential business or a non-essential business? You know, are, uh, the big corporations made record profits over the last couple of years and mom and pop shops got closed up or had to beg to the government for some help. Um, I hear my, my brothers and sisters, you know, some of the other people that I work with up at Chippewa Valley Tech and they're like, I don't know if I'll be working six months from now. You know, with if I don't follow whatever mandate or dictate from uh, from a, a agency uh, or some uh, uh, rogue administrator decision on what what they're going to require um, to be able to work, um, then you have to make a decision. You know, am I going to still be able to work here under these conditions? Um, supply chain issues, you know, Suez Canal, that ship got wedged in there in the Red Sea somehow. You know, we needed, uh, we needed God to part the Red Sea for us. Um, cargo ships backed up off of Los Angeles. Um, you know, you hear from the media, get your presents now or they're not going to come in on time. Although I've got all our presents, so we're doing pretty good so far. Um, and uh, this is where I kind of start losing my energy here <laughs> with just talking about this stuff. It's, it's uh, pretty, pretty horrible. Energy prices, uh, gas lines being hacked again by those infamous Russians, oil drilling contracts revoked, uh, pipelines canceled, um, energy prices on the rise. And then just things like shortages. You know, I remember walking through Festival Foods uh, early on in uh, 2020, and you know, there was no rice or pasta on the shelves. In toilet paper, it's like, what? You know, I think. Uh, so, but, um, and then my son works as a Chevy dealership over in Green Bay, and you know, they're lucky to have three new cars in, on their lots at any given time. And uh, the reasoning there is that the, 
the two major chip manu computer chip manufacturers in the world burnt down at similar times, in both in China and Japan. And so now supposedly nobody can get computer chips. Um, we were looking at different houses, uh, you know, and housing prices have doubled. So uh, yeah, so hopefully a lot of you have real estate right now. And um, you know, record number of unchecked immigration going on. And uh, we've been told that in, right down the road in Fort McCoy, uh, there is uh, 30,000 Afghans uh, sitting over there. So you might want to look at your missionary budget. Instead of sending it you know, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you might want to keep some in Judea <laughs> you know, to, because God is bringing an opportunity for us right here in our own communities. Um, weather, you know, just interesting weather patterns throughout the world, world but the powers to be wants us to believe that uh, climate change is because of us, uh, not because, you know, uh, the North Pole has changed from uh, Serbia over to Canada or, you know, the earthquake years ago uh, that changed 1% of the axis on the Earth's surface or just how weather patterns have changed over the centuries, even in the Middle East, in the middle, um, you know, like the 1500s, 1400s, there was a mini ice age in, in Europe. And, you know, God's creation is, is God still in, in uh, evolving this world and uh, in control of the world uh, type thing. Um, and then last, and then we'll get into God's word, is the warmongering. You know, China is going to attack Taiwan. Um, Russia is going to attack Ukraine. China and India have been fighting over a certain province, or Iran is going to nuke Israel. It kind of reminds me of Matthew 24, where it says wars and rumors of wars in the last days. So if you kind of take back a, a glance at all this stuff, it, something's going on, right? We might be in some type of birthing pains that the Bible talks about. Um, so what are we supposed to do as the Christian church here today uh, with all this bad news? Um, you know, in, in, with the world trying to feed us fear, too, you know, if we fear enough... Um, we will relent and, and maybe give up some of our liberties for, for a sense of false security, right? Um, because we're looking, the world's looking for a savior, but uh, not, not enough of the world understands that they need to be looking for Jesus' second coming. So instead of fearing the world, because that's going to be hitting us all the time, we can say, and get bogged down with that like the, most people do, or maybe we should turn our fear and say, you know what? Maybe a wiser thing to do would be fear the Lord. So if we turn off the TV, if we turn off the Apple News again and, and start reading our Bible, and if we start receiving the news from the Holy Spirit and from our brothers and sisters that have been in the Word and in the Spirit, um, open our eyes and look around. When, when everyone's telling you the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you know what? Let's open our eyes and look up. Is the sky falling? Are the birds chirping? You know, is God still uh, uh, given us a sunrise and a sunset every day? Do the squirrels know that the world is falling apart? If the squirrels don't know it, then we shouldn't be worrying about it either, right? So um, in Proverbs, so let's, let's look at it from God's perspective right now. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we're being fed constant streams of worldly information coated with fear. But Paul says, For the wisdoms of the world is foolishness to God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness in 1 Corinthians 
3.19. So the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. God's sitting up there and saying, he's just scratching his head. He says, I don't believe what you guys are doing right now, you know, type thing. Why are you believing that? This is all bogus, you know, it's, it's not true. And, uh, and we're, just, we're just in our own delusion right now. Uh, as, as the world, not us necessarily, because we have Christ and we have that insight and wisdom, um, but the world is, and the people that we come across every day. The only f- thing we should fear is fear God, and we, it's, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Do you want wisdom to discern the voices of the world? Let's fear God every day. Say, Lord, I fear you. Not necessarily I'm frightened of you, I fear you in reverence. I give you reverence. I give you all authority in my life. You are the only one uh, that can impact my life. Um, and that reminds me of uh, Matthew 10, 28, where Jesus says, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, God, who is able to destroy both the body and the soul, you know, or anybody else that can destroy the body and the soul. So, the idea here is our bodies are, are just temporary vessels for our spirits. We're all eternal spirits. You will live for all eternity type thing. So, in, in, and it says that, you know, the absence of the body is in to be the presence of the Lord. So as soon as our heart stops ticking and our spirit leaves our body, we are in the presence of the Lord. So we don't have to fear death. Uh, could it be a little bit discomforting or maybe a moment of pain. Some people, you know, they just fall asleep and pass on to be with the Lord. Let us hope that all of our, <laughs> our passings can be like that. But, um, you know, some go through more uh, hardship uh, in that journey. But um, I think we, you know, we just need to fear the Lord. And fear and trust go hand in hand. Um, so as we're paying reverence to the Lord each and every day and starting to trust in the Lord and, and not looking at our circumstances to set the tone, but looking at the Lord to set the tone in our life. And Jesus knew that we were afraid. And he constantly reminded us during his time here on earth, do not be afraid. Um, in Luke 12, 6 and 7, it says, are, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. God knows every sparrow on this earth, type thing. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not be afraid. You are more worth more than many sparrows. So he knows the number of hairs on your head. If he knows the number of hairs on our head, do you think he knows if we're hungry or that we need something or we need shelter or we need love or we, whatever our needs are? Luke 12, 20, uh, 29 and 33, it says, And do not seek what you should eat or drink, nor have an anxious mind. How many of us have anxious minds nowadays? It says, Do not, Jesus says, have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you're worried about where you're going to get your meal tomorrow, get on your knees. I'm seeking you, Lord. And he will figure out a way to get you fed. Do not fear, Jesus tells us. Little flock. He, he is a great shepherd, right? We're, we're his uh, 
um, sheep is per, per se. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and, and give alms. So when you're fearing about what you're going to eat and drink, he's saying, hey, if you got some possessions, sell it and be generous to other people. Give alms. Give, give, to, give to the work of the Lord. Give to the, work, to the needs of other people. Provide yourself money bags in uh, that do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. The Bible clearly tells us that, you know, we're, we are saved through grace in our acceptance of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. But it also gives a pretty good, clear picture that what we do on his behalf in this life is like an eternal retirement account. So for those that are trying to build up their 401k and have all this faith in this paper money that could be worthless soon, you know, do a good deed to a friend. You know, give to somebody that's hungry provide love to somebody that needs love. And God is keeping track of that in the real ledger, the eternal ledger, and says, hey, I got, I got some more blessings for you um, on, when you come into my kingdom. Uh, I, jump, I jumped around here. Uh, and finally it says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, I give, give unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So even though the world seems to be a fearful place, God, Jesus is telling us we can have peace in that storm. We don't have to focus on the fear of the world. We have hope. We have someone, that's Jesus, that says, I have overcome the world. So, Trusting God, you know, I started looking around the Bible. I'm like, I need a, Lord, I need some verses or, or someone in the Bible that really demonstrated this well to us. And one phrase that came to mind is, um, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I heard that years ago at, 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 at um, Spencer Lake Family Camp. And so then I, I searched that and I found about King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat lived 2,900 years ago in the land of Judah, which was the southern kingdom, uh, southern kingdom of Israel at the time. And um, I'll, I'll read the verses to you, and then we'll kind of talk about each, each one here, um, each verse. But um, he was a very godly king. And he came from the line of David, um, one of the grandsons or uh, great-grandson, I'm not sure exactly where he is in the lineage. But on verse 20, in 2 Chronicles 21 through 30, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, so three separate nations, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the seas, from Syria and from Hazazan Tamar. And Josephat feared. And then set himself to seek the Lord and reclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now in the notes I have there, I did skip some of the verses. I didn't write out all 30. But hopefully you can go home and read that this week. Um, so when this godly king feared... We all fear. What's the first thing he did? He seeked the Lord. And then he called all his brothers and sisters throughout the land to come and seek the Lord with them, and, and they started to fast. 
you know, the question that comes to my mind is, is turning to God our first response? Or do we try to fret and fritter and, and try to figure out and try to try some things first before uh, we finally turn it over to the Lord? And, and then that takes away our peace, right? So then continuing on in verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven, and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one can withstand you? Are you not the God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel, and gave it to your descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwelt in it, and they have built you a sanctuary in your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us by sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. That was his prayer in front of all of Judah. I wonder if... if God needed to be reminded of all his faithfulness, or if the people of Judah needed to be reminded of all God's faithfulness. You know, our God, it comes in the next verse here. Our God, oh, our God, will you not judge them? Now he's kind of negotiating with God a little bit. Come on, well, you know, this, this big horde coming here. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you. If you personalize that when you're feeling that fear in your life, Lord, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Is there any greater prayer that we can pray? He will hear us. He will hear our cries. He is just waiting and looking, like I mentioned in the Bible says he's looking to and fro for men and women that want to stand and show him love, show him faith. He wants to bless. Give him an opportunity. Now all of Judah with their little ones and their wives and their children stood before the Lord. It kind of reminds me of second, a few verses earlier in Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We've heard that one before, right? And about our own country. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, in the midst of the assembly, so, one, so all these people are here, and one of the brothers stands up, spirit-filled brother. And he says, Listen, all of you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, they will surely come up by the accent of Zid, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. 
Tomorrow go up against them, for the Lord is with you. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's a promise that each one of you can take home. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Have you ever felt as you're praying or as you're seeking the Lord that maybe there's a message that your brothers and sisters need to hear? He can speak through you as well today. Sometimes it's scary to do that or, you know, is this really from the Lord? But does it match up with Scripture? Is it edifying to the body? Maybe, maybe it is uh, time to share. So, do not be afraid nor dismayed, um, O people of the risen Lord. You know, God was with Jehoshaphat 2,900 years ago, and he's with us today. And we even have more promise because of Christ and all of his promises on earth. We have even more of a clear picture than Jehoshaphat had back then. After hearing God's declaration from Jehaziel to not be afraid nor dismayed, it says they all bowed down and worshiped the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he has, had consulted the people, he appointed those who shall sing to the Lord. So Tammy, you're going to be out in front of the army. Yeah. Um, and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So they gathered what their army wasn't as big as the multitude that was down in the valley that was destined to destroy them. And they brought out all their worship leaders and they started worshiping as they marched down into that valley to face that enemy. You know, it, what, what amazes me here, it, wasn't, it didn't say that the angel of the Lord came to them, you know, or the physical presence or the burning bush that was God himself that spoke to him. It was through a spirit-filled man and a godly man in the king that God spoke through. And they trusted in that message. In the spirit, they trusted in that message. And they walked down potentially to their deaths. So they assembled their army and went into the wilderness of Takata. The interesting fact is that they put their army in front, marching down against three huge armies. When they entered the wilderness and the armies gathered, guess what they found? Dead bodies. That whole army, that massive, massive, if it was tens of thousands or whatever, hundreds of thousands, there's different numbers that people talk about. They were all dead. And they found so much wealth and treasure. And when they, when they marched armies back then, you had to bring in wagons of food and other supplies and tents and everything else for the armies to live off of. Um, it took them three days to clean up the battlefield. They did not have to swing one sword. They collected all this stuff. The Spirit of the Lord came upon those, those armies, confused them, and in the midst of that confusion, they wiped each other out. They thought the composing uh, nation armies thought it was Jehoshaphat's army and they fought to the death. And the fear of the Lord, it says in the word, was, the, was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. 
Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. You want rest? Let's follow our, our brother Jehoshaphat in his lead. When he feared, he sought the Lord. He gathered together fellow believers. They prayed and they fasted. The Lord spoke through his spirit and, and it was shared with the people. And the people trusted and obeyed God. God delivered and blessed. That formula seems to be as pertinent 2,900 years ago as it is today. Yes. Trust and obey. I always have these little, every time I have these little phrases, all of a sudden all those church hymns come back to my mind. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I start singing, oh, trust and oh, oh there's a song there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the uh, um, trust and obey uh, song here, and you're welcome to kick in during the, the um, what was the chorus part. Yeah, you got it there? Well, you can pull it up if you want. So I'll just start, I'll slowly start in if you pull it in here. When we walk in the Lord, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the sky, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear, can we abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus as we trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toll he does richly repay. Not a grief for a loss, not a frown or a cross, but it would be blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delight of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus and to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, 
Where he sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. My favorite verse there is, Until we, on all the altar we lay, we will not find the delight, we won't be able to delight in his love until we lay all on the altar and obey. Surrendering all. That's a couple sermons from now. <laughs> so trust, we'll finish up here. So trust in the Lord is a common theme throughout the Bible. Um, in Psalms, David's heart, he uh, there's different biblical scholars, but a lot of them said at least half of Psalms uh, David wrote. And one of the things, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. He was an imperfect man. He made a lot of mistakes in his life, a lot of serious mistakes that would probably have thrown him in the clinker here in the United States. But one of the things that David constantly did with such sincerity is he repented and went before the Lord in tears and said, I have made a mistake. Take my sin away from me, Lord. And um, in Psalms 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, God, and he will direct your path. Psalm 18, 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalms 27, it says, trust, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who trusts in him. And again in Psalms 84, 12, it says, Oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is a man who trusts in you. That theme is constant. Psalms 91.2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I, who will I trust. In Nahum 1.7, it says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows who trusts in him. You want to get Jesus' attention? He knows who trusts in him. Trust him. The next time the fear comes into your life or doubt, Trust him. I trust in you today, Lord. I fear you. I acknowledge you. I revere you more than anything else in this world. I trust in you. Isaiah 2, uh, 12, 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh the Lord is my strength and my song. Trusting is tied to faith, and, and the power of God is, 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 is made full in faith. That's where he, you know, he sees faith and he just wants to bless it. You know, he sees trust and he just wants to bless it. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. In the Great Commission, Christ says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the Lord was with Jehoshaphat 2,900 years ago, and he's with us today, even in these later days. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises, God's, God's promises in the Old Testament, Christ's teachings and promises in the New Testament are for us today. Amen. 
We can trust in him, brothers and sisters. He told us what's coming. We know exactly where we're at. If you study biblical prophecy, eschatology, we can pinpoint exactly where we're at right now. I've been studying that for you know, 10, 15 years now. He told us what's coming. He told us that we are on the winning side. He said, if you can hold fast to the end, you will be saved. And during that process, do you know how much power he has given us on earth through his spirit? Our power of prayer breaks strongholds, breaks other negative spiritual principalities and powers. We can speak boldly in these days. We do not have to fear. But we can do it in love, like Christ taught us to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. Let us pray. O Lord, we are never alone. It is through your spirit and power that we have have confidence to overcome the circumstances of this world and find joy in the midst of struggle. Lord, fill us with your spirit of peace and, and grant us clear minds that we may be effective witnesses for, for the, these times and the times ahead. You are Lord over all the earth. We trust you without fear, except for the fear and the reverence that we have for you. We trust you, Lord. We put, our, put the fears of this world at on your altar. We lay it all on your altar so that we can have the full sense of your love and the full fullness of your joy. You are the Lord over all the earth. You created all things. Man's sin cannot stop your love. We trust in you and we boldly follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul's statements of grace and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's go home with that peace.